Last week, OHSU joined a growing list of organizations pledging their ongoing commitment to the tenets of the Paris Agreement. We'll take a look at what OHSU is doing to combat climate change. And later, the OHSU farmer's market returned last week. I talked with the manager of the market. It's Monday, June 12th, and this is OHSU Week. I'm Patrick Holmes. In 2015, representatives from countries all over the world drafted a framework for dealing with climate change. On June 1st, President Trump announced that he was pulling the U.S. out of the Paris Agreement. The United States will withdraw from the Paris Climate Accord. In response to the Trump administration pulling out of the agreement, several states, including Oregon, and hundreds of local governments, businesses, and colleges and universities have come out and said, we are still in. President Robertson has joined this effort by adding his name to a growing list of signatories of an open letter to the international community, pledging ongoing support for the commitments in the Paris Agreement. I was actually really excited to see Dr. Robertson um, agree with that statement. Sky Dancy is Associate Vice President for Facilities at OHSU. I think that it really is part of OHSU's core mission to look out for the health and well-being of Oregonians and a much broader population. We, uh, we have been very focused on sustainability since about the time I started here 14 years ago, uh, if not before. We, of course, have LEED Platinum uh, buildings constructed on the South Waterfront. Uh, the Biomedical Research Building was a LEED Silver. Uh, the Kohler Pavilion was built as a pilot project for Green Guide for Healthcare. Uh, and so I think all of our all of our new construction is something we can be very proud of. From a daily standpoint, uh, we have a lot of efforts going on with energy conservation, uh, reducing energy consumption, and uh, and we have some pretty leading edge programs, including uh, an agreement with the Central Financial Systems Group uh, to reinvest savings into additional energy savings projects. And we have two major projects approved by the hospital administration this year to uh, retrofit Dornbecker Children's Hospital and uh, Kohler Pavilion to make them even more energy efficient. So working hard to drive down our carbon footprint. In addition to transportation, uh, and parking, that's another big source of, of carbon emissions. And uh, we have one of the lowest single occupancy vehicle rates in the state. Um, of course, part of that is um, required by the city of Portland's <laughs> limitation on the amount of parking that we can have uh, and the cost of building new parking. But I also think that uh, there's a, there are a lot of people at OHSU that are just committed to riding their bikes every day, taking alternative forms of transportation. Uh, I, I think it's just, it's a great institution to be a part of because I feel like we do have a much more community mission than, than other employers. So you mentioned the Center for Health and Healing. Um, I know it was, you know, at the time that it opened up, it was one of the first lead platinum buildings in the world. And also I believe it was the the first medical facility is, is that correct? I'm 
Yep. I guess when it was built, it was the uh, certainly the largest lead platinum medical office building. Uh, and I lead has become uh, much more mainstream. And so I've kind of lost track of where we stand in the rankings. But I know that between the initial certification of lead platinum, as well as a follow up lead for uh, existing buildings and operations and maintenance, uh, we still lead the pack on lead, if you will. <laughs> Has it really kind of lived up to the promise of that initial, you know, building as the savings been there, the environmental, um, uh, you know, benefits of those really been realized over time? Uh, yes, they have. I think that building has been very successful in, uh, in its sustainability mission. When, when we were building CHH as well as BRB and Kohler Pavilion, uh, I thought it was really interesting because targeting something like Lead Silver for the BRB uh, we could kind of pick and choose what uh, lead points we wanted to go after, what strategies to use. So we could we could pick things like lighting conservation and uh, heating and cooling, for example. Uh, I feel like the Center for Health and Healing, because it targeted lead platinum, uh, really had to look at every aspect of environmental sustainability and conservation. And I think the consequence of that is it became a building with a sustainability culture unto itself. Uh, it's, it has its own tenant handbook that uh, is very focused on how you can help with your uh, with your contribution to the environmental sustainability served by the CHH. Uh, they talk about heating and cooling set points. You know, it may be a little bit warmer in the summer, maybe a little cooler in the winter. People, I think, are a little more accustomed to putting on a sweater or dressing a little more casually uh, than we do up here on Markham Hill. I think that uh, people are just kind of naturally more used to uh, lights switching off if there's enough daylight coming in. Uh, I think that uh, people are more attuned to what's going down the drain because that building does all of its own water treatment and they recirculate the use of the water uh, for use in things like the cooling towers or flushing the toilets. And so I think that uh, creating the occupant engagement around sustainability is is what I hold as the highest value for the CHH. I think it would be a shame to not mention the infamous signs that say don't drink the, <laughs> the toilet water. <laughs> that, of course, crosses my mind. Yeah. I, when the building opened, those were the, um, the invitations for the grand opening uh, had that sign printed on the Oh, nice. Back of the ticket. So I assume that some sort of uh, regulation says that if you're going to use non-potable water in the toilets, you have to put those signs up. Yep. Oregon State Plumbing Code is very specific about the language that needs to go on those signs, whether it's uh, lawn sprinklers or toilets. You, this might have happened about when you came to OHSU. It sounds like you've been here a few years longer <laughs> than I have. Um, the... In researching this, it, it looked like the, the green team was formed in 2004. Were you here when that happened? And, and what was kind of the catalyst for that group forming? I was. Um, I was very involved in the green team when it initially formed. Um, it had been kind of forming for a little while, primarily around solid waste. Uh, Kathy Croft in our recycling center ran our custodial team. Uh, and... You know, that was really when environmental sustainability, the, the business case for environmental sustainability started coming out. And people started looking at the uh, 
the balance between uh, environmental sustainability, financial sustainability, and social sustainability. And I think it was that intersection that kind of allowed business leaders to say, oh, this is important and we can do it without, uh, without having a uh, terrible impact on the bottom line. And in many cases, it, it really does create a positive impact on the bottom line. Um, what I loved about the early days of the green team is we brought folks in. At one point, we had as many as 200 members uh, on the green team, and we brought people in from all over campus. It's really where uh, Ecole came to talk uh, with Food and Nutrition Services. She came to talk about you know, composting programs and um, the farmer's market, really getting the farmer's market started. Uh, we t- certainly, that was the formation of the energy conservation program. You know, every project we did in facilities had a had a goal of making things more efficient, but it wasn't until we started getting that executive support from Steve Statham at the time to start talking about uh, this at a very high level and get really strategic about it that we could, I think, start making a, a big difference. Um, chemical use, you know, we kicked off, we, we've tried some things that didn't work very well. We kicked off uh, painting with no VOC uh, paint. And what we found is that uh, we could have uh, much of the same kind of health benefit um, just by uh, letting the rooms air out before moving people back in, using a no-odor paint. And the no-VOC paint really took a lot more product to get the same finish. It took a lot more time. It cost a lot more. And so we've moved away from the no-VOC product for now until they they come out with a new one. What, uh, you know, you mentioned earlier that really at CHH people kind of take personal responsibility for contributing to the, you know, the building's um, sustainability initiatives. What can your average OHSU employee do that wants to, you know, make their impact? I'm glad you asked. And something I probably should have mentioned about the green team evolution is that I think we're also starting to see more departmental green teams popping up. So you may have a a small office and the, you know, that group bands together to talk about how they can improve their own uh, location. Uh, and I think that that's, I think that's really the progression that we're running into is so much of it is people dependent, um, you know, turning off lights, uh, being reasonable about their temperature set points, uh, recycling, uh, reducing waste as much as possible. And that seems to happen more at the local level than it does at the institutional level. And so I would, I would say that when I think about how we can advance sustainability, environmental sustainability at OHSU, it really comes down to the 16,000 people that are out there working together and how's the saying go? Act locally to think globally. As someone who's clearly spent a lot of time thinking about this and, and taking a lot of actions to, uh, you know, further sustainability in the environment how do you feel about the conversations that have been taking place really even in the last week, the fact that this letter is happening, um, that all these organizations that previously weren't aligned are now aligning themselves? I mean, do you think in the end maybe we'll be in a better spot than we would have been if we if this all hadn't happened? Oh, that is a tricky and very personal question, isn't it? <laughs> um you know, maybe I I do think that um, I do think that given all of the controversy around the conversations this week, uh, maybe 
maybe pushing individual companies and individuals to band together to make a difference could actually result in a bigger difference being made than uh, than simply uh, um, an agreement at a at a high leadership level. Well, I thank you for your time. I'll let you get back to work. Thanks, Patrick. This has been fun. That was Sky Dancy, Associate Vice President for Facilities at OHSU. In a statement, President Robertson said, we declare our continued support of climate action to meet the Paris Agreement in simple recognition that nothing is more fundamental to human health than the health of our environment. Last week, the OHSU Farmer's Market returned for the summer. Uh, The market runs every Tuesday, June through September, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Nicole Copen is the Sustainable Food Programs Coordinator for Food and Nutrition. She's responsible for organizing the farmer's market. What, what's new at the market? What are you excited about this year? Well, we have a designated farmer's lane this year that has more of the farmer-related food items leading up to the auditorium steps. And then we have this craft lane. So we have a lot of new crafts here this year. Um, just through Ju- just June and then again in September, so not July and August. Um, and as usual, we've got our some new value-added vendors like some tea, charities, and we've got an orchid um, amendment grower, and we've got lots of new crafts. So yeah, lots of new things here. We go by demand, and if there's not enough demand, honestly, for the produce and the produce vendors don't have enough reason to come. So if people can buy more produce and think of all the amazing food, healthy food that's here, the fresh greens and the fresh salads and all of the things that you can make while you're at home instantly from fresh produce brought just from 50 miles away. And if there were more, if there were more purchases of produce, then we would have more produce vendors here for sure. But farmers really struggle here, to be honest. And it would be great if we could support local ag. OHSU Week is produced and edited by me. Special thanks to Brian Brewer for editing and recording advice. I'm Patrick Holmes. See you next week.